You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3. Well, we feel it. The world has changed and the influence is that device often in our back pocket. The average social media user spends hours each and every day. And Chris Martin, who is an Internet expert, is helping us expose the way it's distorting our life and how do we faithfully respond. Chris, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I was supposed to be getting ready for this interview, and then I went to BibleToLife.com and got distracted. I hope you're okay with that. There were a few (laughs) interesting articles I saw there. One you put up recently was, Who was St. Patrick? That'll be interesting for St. Patrick's Day coming up. The other one you wrote was, uh, Dethrone Entertainment in Your Church. That, That one, I think, is good. Does that have anything to do with this book we're about to talk about, The Wolf in Their Pockets? It does. Yeah, it does. So every month at uh, Bible to Life, we we publish some new excerpts from books that have come out from Moody Publishers in the last uh, in the in the current month, and uh, just so happens that yes, my personal writer author world of uh, of book writing and my work world of Bible to Life <laughs> happened to overlap in the last couple of weeks, and uh, we have an article written by me on the site for my new book. So that's yeah, it's kind of funny. We should have mentioned you are the content marketing editor at Moody Publishers, and yes, you help uh, curate some important articles at BibleToLife.com. So our friends might want to check out that resource. But it's funny because you are involved in the internet, you're involved in social media, but yet you're also warning us about its dangers. So let's talk about that. Why did you want to write this new book, The The Wolf in Their Pockets? Sure. So I've been working in creating online content my entire career. I mean, look, I was born in 1990 grew up with a dad who worked for IBM, always had a computer and the internet in my home from the earliest of ages, uh, probably earlier than I should have, but but before I even knew how to get in trouble with any of it. <laughs> and so this stuff is so just so native to me, and it's so natural. It's the water I've swam in my entire life. Um, and a, a few years ago, when I was running social media for a, a big Christian uh, resource uh, publisher called Lifeway Christian Resources here in Nashville, um, I started studying more like the sociological effects of social media. Like how is social media affecting how we relate to each other? How is social media affecting how we think about ourselves, how we think about our faith? And started, you know, I'd, I'd been working in the tactics of social media for so long and like how to create helpful content online and how to use it for good that I, I think I had sort of neglected, hey, how is this maybe negatively affecting us and what should we do about that? And so I just started reading a lot and I'm a, I'm a writer and, I, and that's I've often described writing as the second half of the thinking process for me, which I think a lot of writers can kind of understand. And so I just started writing a lot about it. And I, and I noticed that a lot of folks were responding to what I was writing online about our relationship with social media and how how, hey, maybe we should examine this a little bit more closely. And so I started writing on it pretty regularly through a newsletter called Terms of Service, um, which led to a book last year by the same name, Terms of Service, which is more, that was meant, that book was sort of a mirror, like, hey, uh, what is social media doing to you and and what should you do about that? Um, The biggest response I got to that book um, was from pastors and church leaders who said, hey, this book is really helpful, but we would love a resource specifically for those of us who are actively discipling people who recognize that, hey, social media is discipling the people I love and care about more than I am or more than God's word is. And I don't know what to do about that. And so I heard that from parents, from pastors. I work in student ministry myself, like at my local church. I'm going there tonight to speak on Daniel 7 tonight, which should be fun. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I hear this all the time from parents and pastors that, yes, yeah, social media seems to be a bigger influence in my kids' lives or my congregation's lives um, more than I am as their parent or pastor or more than God's word is. And I could really use a resource to help me know how to navigate that. So this book is as much a leadership and discipleship book as it is a book about social media, honestly. All right. Um, the book is called Wolf in Their Pockets. The problem is uh, wolves usually come in packs. It's not just one singular wolf. I mean, that's kind of the way it is, isn't it? There's We're talking social media, but this comes at our, our children, our students, uh, at us, almost as a deluge of uh, content, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I would say, yeah, the, the wolf in their pockets would be social media corporately. Mm. But the, the wolf is a sort of collective of wolves, which could be any number of apps, you know, if you want to think about it that way. Um, and, it, you know, all of these things pull us in different directions and tug on various desires we have in our hearts and minds, whether that's a desire to be known, a desire to be cared about, to feel affection, um, a desire to feel like we're important or changing the world. Um, you know, all of these apps that we engage with. Um, and, and I want to be careful to say this is not a young person issue. You know, this isn't 2006 anymore. Mm. Um, and, and no, I should say it is a young person issue, but it is not only a young person issue. Um, I think one I think one of the reasons we've gotten kind of to this generally in the Christian space and, and American Christianity, at least the reason we've got to a, a rough spot in regard to our relationship with social media is because we've sort of relegated this matter to the youth room. And I think it's important that we recognize that, you know, the the baby boomers in our congregations are being shaped by Facebook just as much as the Gen Zers in our youth group are being shaped by TikTok or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important in that, um, yeah, the, there are many wolves, if you think of it that way, and, and all of them are kind of in the singular wolf that is social media as a force. All right. Before we get to how do we respond or maybe defend ourselves from these wolves, let's talk about the, the side effects, right? Sometimes when you're prescribed a medication— we're often told, and you might experience this. So what's one of the most underestimated side effects of social media and its use? Man, there's so much that could be said <laughs> here because I think, I think obviously there are a lot of effects of social media on us, but I think a, a lot of them are underestimated. And that's why like, I've been careful to say before, like, I'm not anti-social media. I use it myself. I just think we have to be very intentional because it's bent towards sin like everything else in our very broken world. And so, I, but I, I think one of the problems is, is that we just tend to ignore the side effects because if, if you will, that medicine is so good, it makes us feel so good that we like to ignore the side effects. And so I think many of them are, are sort of underestimated. Um, but I think most of our attention goes to content. When we think of people using social media, we often think, so, hey, you shouldn't be watching that. You shouldn't be on that website. You know, we don't want stumblers. We don't want teenagers stumblers across pornography or, or we don't want baby boomers to fall for fake news on Facebook. You know, there are all kinds of like common, almost like stereotypes now, if you will. And all that's important and it merits our concern. But I think one of the most overlooked aspects of all of this is what posting all of our lives all of the time does to us. Um, so like, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about how posting super often on social media about our lives warps how we look at our lives. Like I think the lure to post constantly and perform makes us start to see our lives as a sort of like raw material that we may use to get people to give us attention and affection. So we just, we, we go about our lives thinking like, Oh, that would make for a great Instagram picture or a great post to Facebook or whatever. And we, 
we virtually live through our our phone screens by not. I mean, you just go to any big event, a concert, or whatever else, and just see like how many people looked at whatever they're looking at with their eyes, and how many people looked at what they're looking at through their phones. And I think like the way we come to see our world as raw material for social media content is really really underestimated and really warped. Yeah, there was just an incident that happened, I think, that displays what you're saying so clearly. So there was this photo side by side of when Michael Jordan, I think, you know, accomplished something great and the crowd was there watching, you know, one of his dunks or something and all eyes were on him. And recently when LeBron James scored his, you know, groundbreaking point, breaking all records in the NBA, the crowd shot was everybody had their cell phones up and they had that side by side to say, what's happening to our world? Mm -hmm. And one picture we were all engaged and the other, we're engaged with it through our phones. And that's what you're saying here. Yeah. And I I think like, yeah, you know, I do this kind of thing. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's wrong to do this, but I think we underestimate the effects of what it what happens when we consume our lives through that that piece of glass in between us. And I, I just think that like that really makes it feel like our lives are content rather than uh, lives to be lived and more more valuable than that. And I just really, I desperately want us to not think of our lives as content that we can sort of farm to build a persona online. And I think a a lot of us have done that without even thinking about it, which is the scary part. And that's why I think it is underestimated is we just don't think about these things. Yeah, I I would say it is wrong. You you said it's not wrong. I I think it is wrong. If I'm at a concert and you're taping the whole concert in front of me and I can't see what's going on because your phone is in front. (laughs) Sure, sure. That's wrong. It doesn't even sound good. I I mean, stop it. Please stop it. All right. Anyway, what do we do as, you know, We're talking pastors, we're talking leaders, we're talking parents. Well, how do we care for, if if we see an issue, all right, and I know we all have the issue, but if we see it in our children, let's just go there, what do we do? How how do we care for them effectively? Man, that's a really good question. And I think it's, you know, when I speak on this topic to churches or or parent groups, um, you know, they'll say, hey, you got an hour. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk. I'm going to blab for like 15 minutes. And then we're going to do Q&A for like 45 minutes because everyone's experience is so unique. And mm-hmm. and and everyone's like, you know, one one kid is jumping down some rabbit hole on YouTube and is getting, you know, radicalized into some crazy ideology. And then another kid is yeah engaging with some sexually explicit material that they shouldn't be engaging with. And then another. And so everyone's situation is so unique. It's really hard to say, yeah, what do we do? I think broadly speaking like if i can attempt to answer that as broadly as possible in a way that would help anyone facing any situation is that you should as a parent and i say this not as a parent of a teenager i'm only a parent of a toddler however i've been working in student ministry for like over a decade Mm -hmm. so i I do understand this from a parent perspective of sorts for teenagers i would say be be ready um be ready for your kid to mess up and 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 welcome your kid with open arms with when he or she messes up um because i'm not saying to excuse it or encourage it obviously but i think most parents would probably agree that you'd rather have that's a, that's a big statement to say most parents would probably agree especially regarding something social media but i i think there's <laughs> wisdom in you you would rather your kid mess up in your care than mess up once they leave or, mm. or in a way that they feel like ashamed they can't even talk to you about it. And I think we want our kids, if they're going to mess up on social media, we want them to feel like they can come and talk to us about it. 
Um, and so I would say, like, do whatever you can to reduce any feeling of shame that your that your child may feel in coming to you about engaging in a way on social media that they shouldn't or or if you just feel like they're on it too much even if you don't feel like they're doing anything nefarious and you just feel like they're on it too much approach that conversation with grace and humility as a parent because frankly it's likely you don't have the greatest relationship with social media either and your kid may see that and so like you know if they see you scrolling facebook at the dinner table they're going to have a hard time hearing you tell them to put their phone down at the dinner table as well and so i think if you as a parent can just approach this conversation with grace and humility and and know that your kid is probably going to feel a little bit defensive and may even feel a bit ashamed about their relationship with social media um rather than going in and saying like put that phone down what do you think you're doing come on like what do you come on don't be a, don't be a fool you know mm-hmm. like i think if we can just approach this with grace and kindness um in my experience working with students especially this newest generation and crop of of teenagers um, I think it would go a lot further than if we just kind of beat them over the head with how silly they're being being on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I, that's yes. how I would lead. No, that's great advice. So much more is also caught than taught. So being that example, too, is maybe a struggle for us, but so important. OK, we just got 60 seconds remaining here, Chris. But is there a role for prayer and really the Holy Spirit's guidance in this? Because, you know, we are in a spiritual battle and this is one of the tools the enemy can use uh, for those that we care for. Oh, certainly. I, I've long said that social media is the chief discipler of the people in your church and likely the people in your home. Uh, because they're spending two and a half hours a day. The average American adult spends two and a half hours a day on social media, which you don't spend two and a half hours a day doing anything except working and eating or working and sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think social media is a chief discipler of of the people we care about. And we need to appeal to God and the Holy Spirit to to work in the hearts of the people we love and disciple them. And so we should always be praying about these things, especially if we see it as a relevant issue for the people in our homes or in our churches. Well, there's so much more that we could say. Our time is up. That's why we want to point you to ericandbridget.org. That's where we have a link to this resource from Chris Martin, The Wolf in Their Pockets. Chris, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Just some really scratching the surface, great information for us. We do appreciate it. Of course. Glad to talk to you.